I want to welcome you back to week two of our look together through the book of Genesis, day seven of this look, Genesis chapter seven today. And in Genesis chapter seven, Noah enters the ark. Yesterday, we talked about the motivational power of obedience, Noah obeying to build the ark. Here we have the motivational power of trust, Noah deciding with his family to get on the ark that he had built. Listen to what happens in verses one to seven. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. And then in verses 23 to 24, every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Now, as you and I look at these verses, they tell us that the flood was real, the flood was universal. They also let us know that the animals all fit. People have questions about what happened in this flood. Well, the flood was real. There are 14 references to Noah's flood in the New Testament. Matthew 24, 37, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. The flood was a real event. Jesus obviously believed in the flood of Noah, which is enough for me. It's interesting to me that in Noah's day, men scoffed at the idea of a coming flood. In our day, men scoff at the idea of an historical flood. People say, I can't figure out in my mind how this could have happened, so surely it couldn't have happened. Well, God says it happened, and that's enough for me. I understand there are some things scientifically I can't figure out yet, but I trust God in what he says here. The flood was real, and the flood was universal. There are 11 universal terms in the 35 verses that talk about this flood. There's no like localized flood where it just happened in one little valley or set of valleys here. This is all mankind. This is all animals. This is all. Now, I have no doubt that this happened under a completely different set of climate conditions than you and I face today. These verses talk about a, a canopy that was over the earth at that time, so it seems like there were always clouds. There was more, somehow more moisture in the air. It talks also about subterranean waters that came up from the deep, so there was some waters that were released from under the ground that we don't experience today. There were some different climate conditions, some different conditions on the earth that caused this, but the flood was universal. The flood was real, and the animals all fit. People think, well, how did they all fit? Well, the capacity of this ark was approximately 522 livestock railroad cars. Just sit and watch that many cars go by having to stop for a train. It's a lot of cars. And think of how many animals could fit. And people have done calculations to figure out how they could be crammed in, how they could fit for this amount of time. But these details that we think about, and we should, we should walk through this, these details can too easily cover the main point. The flood illustrates the principles of divine judgment. This is God's judgment because everyone was sinful all the time and their violence was getting worse and worse and hurting more and more. And it gotten to a point where there was no one going to be righteous. There was no one even going to live for God. After Noah was gone, I'm sure God could see the future. He knew where things were headed. 
So he changed things. He brought a judgment. What are the principles of divine judgment here? There are four of them. Number one, God's judgment is never arbitrary. He doesn't just judge because he wants to or he's having a bad day. God watched the earth getting worse and worse and worse for generations and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years with a grieving heart. And once he saw it get to the point where it had to be judged, he judged. It wasn't arbitrary. It was in the right time. Number two, the second principle is God always warns of his judgment. He warned that this was coming, and the people scoffed at it. They laughed at it. Now, there are other instances in the Bible. For instance, the people of Nineveh, God warned them of the judgment through a prophet by the name of Jonah. And when they heard the warning and turned their hearts back to God, God stopped the judgment. That would have happened here if they'd only turned their hearts to God, but they didn't. God always warns of his judgment. And then the third thing that he does is God always grants time for repentance. And it's always more time than you and I would grant. You and I think sometimes we're forgiving. We have no idea how forgiving God truly is, how long he will really wait. Think of how long you're willing to wait for a child to repent, a child to change. God is willing to wait even longer. He always grants time for repentance. But then the fourth thing is also true. God always keeps his word. If he has said he will judge, if we will not change, and we don't change, then he will judge. And one of the pictures in Genesis chapter 7 of God's judgment is God slamming the door shut when Noah and his family get in. God shut the door, the Bible tells us. It's not Noah that shut the door. God shut it. He shut it, by the way, seven days before the first raindrop fell. The opportunity was over. The door is shut. There's no more opportunity at that point. While the sun was still shining, everything looked great. The sky was still blue. While people were still convinced that nothing was going to happen, God shut the door. I wonder what Noah was thinking during that week. Is there no flood that's going to come? God said there was going to come a flood. He waits seven days. Think of the endurance, the faith that he had to have during that week. But I also think of the people who thought about Noah in that ark and laughed at him as they walked by. Oh, he shut up in there one day, two days, five days, seven days. It's easy to laugh at those who take sin seriously because sin is fun and everybody seems to be doing it. And the person who seems to be so serious about it, it's, it's very easy to make a joke of that person. It was easy to make jokes about Noah that week. But the truth is God's judgment is coming. It's easy to make jokes about Jesus' second coming. It's easy to make jokes about the judgment of God upon all mankind. It's easy to draw cartoons of this or to make funny little pictures of this. It's easy to joke about hell even for some people. But the truth is, God is a God of love who takes sin seriously. The flood says sin is serious. The ark says God is merciful. I don't want to miss either of those truths. I don't want you to miss either of those truths. And I don't want the people that we know and love to miss either of those truths. The flood says sin is is serious. Look at what it did to a world, and look at what it can do to your world when you let it flood your life. Sin is serious. The ark says God is merciful. He will provide a way out. He has provided a way out in Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to take his way out right now. Maybe you need to pray right now for someone you know that's caught up in sin to take God's way out. Let's talk to Jesus together. Jesus, thank you, first of all, for providing a way out. It's not an ark, it's a cross. Thank you for giving your life for us. We know that sin seriously damages lives and relationships and hope and futures. And Lord, I pray 
first of all, we pray for ourselves at places where we're not taking sin seriously. God, help us to throw ourselves on your mercy. And I pray that your mercy would invade our lives in such a way that we begin to live in new ways. And Lord, we also pray for friends, for people that we love who are caught up in sin. God, you have provided them a way out. God, you are merciful. I pray for my friend that you'd help my friend to see your mercy. Help my friend to see your way out. And help my friend to get on that ark, to get to, get to a place in their life where they can accept your love, Jesus Christ. See it clearly. Accept it. And if you want to use me to help them to see that, I pray you'd help me to have the wisdom, to have the right word at the right time, to do the right thing at the right time. And I ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking together in Genesis 8 on what it was like to live on an ark.